And I can see people over there at the house. I'm going, uh, help, help. And nobody came to my aid. I felt so hurt. And then I saw people go inside. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I'm out here in the backyard. Blood's coming out of my head. I need some help. Please help me. And I finally get up and struggle to the door. Blood's coming down my head. Oh, You know what? The word call means to invoke aid. It means to call out. It means to ask for help is what it means. And you know, there's sometimes there's people in life and some of you are like this and you know it, but you won't go to the doctor. You won't call out for aid. I mean, your back will be hurting so bad and your head will be hurting so bad. I mean, all you need to take is a couple of ibuprofen, but you're not going to tell anybody, all right? You're a tough dude and you're going to, you're going to get through it. And some people are like that about salvation. I mean, there's some hard cases out there. There's some hard cases. In fact, I'd say that most of us are pretty much hard cases. In fact, every single one of us that are saved can say this, that what man could not do, God could. Because salvation is not of us, it is of the Lord. For with God, nothing shall be, what? Impossible. God can save. It's whosoever, all that will call upon the name of the Lord. What does it say? Shall be what? <laughs> saved. And I love that tense. It's passive. Think about it like that. It's something. Salvation is something that happens to you. Calling out to God is an act. It's, it's active. You do it. You realize your lost condition. And what do you do? You call out. You invoke God for aid. You say, God, I need help. Save me from my sin. But when you call out to God, guess what? That doesn't save you. God saves you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, those people that perished that night whenever the Titanic sank, they called out. They screamed. They begged for people. Help us! We're here! Help us! But the calling out of that did not save them. But some were fortunate enough that a boat did hear and perhaps come over and grab them and pull them in. But I'm thankful to God that unlike those people that were stranded in the chilly Atlantic waters that night, that you could be stranded in your sin, handcuffed, bound up, tied up. And my friend, whatever language you call out to God in is that God will hear. Amen. He will not turn away his ear from a contrite or a humble heart. He will listen. He will respond. And God will say it is a passive thing that you are saved. It is not by your own works of righteousness. He says, he says I know in whom I have believed. I don't understand these things. Creating faith in men. How does God create faith in me? How does God God draw me? How does the Holy Spirit work in me to help me to understand that I'm a sinner and lost and I need Christ Jesus to save me? How does all that work out together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose? I don't know. But I know the Word says this, whosoever, all, anybody, shall call upon the name of the Lord, what will happen? Shall be what? Saved. That's the first bit of luggage to unpack from this how shall they call. The second thing is this is what? What? What is the message that everyone, everybody needs? And that's very simple, is it not? 
not a hard message for you to understand this morning. Everybody needs the gospel. That's what he says in verse number 14. He says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Two things here. How are they going to call upon somebody they don't believe in? And how are they going to believe in somebody that they have not heard? Or moreover, how are they going to be able to believe on somebody they have not heard? Well, what, what is it that lets them understand what they must do to be saved? Well, it's simple. It's the gospel. Whenever the man, the Philippian jailer, ran into Paul, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did, you, what did Paul do? He gave him the gospel. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what? Thou shalt be what? Saved. saved. When those men in Acts chapter number 2, when they were cut to heart, they realized that they were sinners before the Lord, and they kind of cried out to Peter, and Peter said, Save yourselves from this uncured generation. They said, they said, they said, they said Men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And they said, and he said what to him? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins. He just told them, he said, you need to repent of your sin. You need to realize that you're lost sinners and that you need to call out to God to save you, is what he was telling them. They needed to first hear about God. They needed to hear the gospel. Hear the, 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 the word of the Lord. And what is the word of the Lord? What is the gospel? What's done read it for you. It's found in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Some people make the gospel so complicated, don't we? Why do people make it so complicated? The Russian Orthodox Church makes the gospel so complicated. It's not even the gospel. There might be hints of it. There might be traces of it in some of these churches that are out there. There might be even once in a while some mention of Christ and his resurrection or Christ and his burial or Christ and his death. But all of those things are, are, are hidden behind so many other things. They're hidden behind candles and idols and saints and popes and all kinds of things. But the gospel hides behind nothing. The gospel, the gospel is centered upon only one, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. It's centered upon Him. Amen. And what does He say there in Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 and 10? That's the gospel. That's what it is. Here it is. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, what does He say? Thou shalt shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so this is the gospel. This is how somebody is saved. They believe upon the Lord with all their heart, and then they call upon Him to save Him. You say, what if somebody cannot speak? I believe God can hear somebody that cannot speak. Amen. God can hear somebody. God is not deaf. Amen. God can understand somebody. God can uh, save a deaf person. He can save a dumb person. He can save somebody that uh, cannot hear well or cannot see well. He proved it all in the scriptures, did he not? And I mean, through the miracles, he proved that he can save anybody and everybody. He can save the Pharisee if he would like to, but he can also save the harlot if he would like to. He can save them all and in between all, everybody, all, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But they must hear the gospel. They must hear that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he rose again the third day, and that if you'll believe upon this, then you will be saved. So how are they going to hear this? Well, look at verse number 17. Look at verse number 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing comes by what, folks? Anybody want to read it with me? The what? The Word. The Word of God. The Word of God. 
The only way in which somebody is going to be saved is as James 1.21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to what? Save your souls. It's only the word. It's the word and the spirit working together within our hearts to save us from our sins. A testimony can be a very powerful thing. And I've preached this many times. A, test, a, a gospel witness without a good testimony is very much not very good many times. If you're going around at work, and some of you I've talked to about this, you know some people like this at your work situation, that they claim to be Christians, but they lie, steal, chill, steal cheat, and do everything else. Uh, and my friend, nobody's going to listen to that kind of testimony. They're going to look at that person, they're going to look at you, and they're going to say, you know, why do I want to become a Christian? I, I'm, I'm acting the exact same way. I'm doing the exact same things. Nothing has changed your life. Nothing has done nothing. That, is, that, that gospel thing hasn't done, that, done anything for you. A testimony is a powerful thing, all right? Don't get me wrong with what I'm about to say here. You need to have a testimony, and I'll speak more to this in just a moment, but a testimony is not enough. You need to tell them the gospel. You need to let them know it's the word. A testimony, though, it might be an avenue in which people may see in your life, and then from there they begin to ask questions. But when they ask questions, don't play it off. Don't just kind of him haul around on things. Tell them the truth. Tell them why you're different. Tell them what has changed you. Tell them why you sin. Tell them the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because it is the gospel that will change people. It's only the gospel that saves. Amen. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Whenever Peter was with Cornelius in Acts chapter, number 11, Acts chapter number 10, and Peter was up there on that roof, and God had, uh, had given him that dream to go down to Cornelius' house and preach the gospel, Peter did not go with just a testimony. Peter did not just go down there and proclaim that I'm an apostle. He did not just go down there and claim that, you know what, I've talked with the Lord Jesus. I seen him that day when he was breaking bread. What did he do to those, with those people that day? He preached the gospel of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He had a good testimony, no doubt about it. But he wasn't there to talk about himself. He was there to talk about Jesus. The third thing to unpack this morning is this. And you'll be happy to know it's the last but it's the longest one. Um, We want to unpack this last thing. It is the how of the gospel. How shall they call? The first thing we unpack was whosoever. When you had your luggage case here, you pull out and you say, okay, the first thing about the gospel is it's whosoever. Praise God for that. If the second thing you would pull out of your suitcase is this, you would find out that it's the gospel. Everybody needs the gospel. But in reality, this third point that I presented to you this morning is really the first point. Because you can't get to the first and second point until you get to the first, until you get to the third point. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense in a way. But how are they going to call? How are they going to know unless somebody tells them? Unless somebody tells them. That's exactly what Paul says. How then shall they call him when they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him when they have not heard? And listen to what he says. And how shall they hear without a what? Preacher. 
And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How is all this going to happen? It's going to come through the preaching of the word of God. How is anybody going to be a saved apart from somebody opening their mouth and telling somebody about Jesus Christ? If somebody doesn't, secondly, not only how shall they hear without a preacher, but how shall they hear except the preacher be sent? Except the preacher is somebody's the preacher's been financed or prayed for or helped or somebody's holding them up in prayer and helping them. You say, I'm no preacher. If you're a Christian, you should be a preacher. A preacher in the scriptures is not a preacher like me. This is not necessarily a preacher. It can be described in that sense in some cases. But we read in Acts chapter number 8 after the persecution that was found in Jerusalem that all the Christians went everywhere preaching the word. That's what it says. Every believer in here this morning has been called to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. The word preach, all it means is to herald. Mm -hmm. That's all it means. That's it. It means to call out, to say out loud. My dad is not a preacher. In the case of what you're thinking of me standing in front of you this morning. Well, my dad, he hands out Bibles to fifth graders and he puts them in hotel rooms. He puts them, gives them to military veterans and to nurses. He's been around the world in Malaysia and, and Ghana and, 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 uh, and in Singapore giving out the gospel. He said, how does he do that? He gives them the word. He gives them the word. He gives them a Bible. He, he talks to them a, a, about the word. Uh, you can preach through a trap. You can simply give somebody a gospel tract and tell them how they can read this gospel tract. And, and this gospel tract would let you know how you can be 100% for sure that you're going to heaven. When I was in Guyana, I talked to a man named Akash. And Akash is a Hindu. He had not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had heard of him vaguely, but he didn't know about him. But he didn't have a Bible, and uh, we were there for a little bit, and he had a business where he sold diesel fuel, and I was able to speak with him for some time. But of course, in business, you have to understand some people need to do business. They need to have a job that they have to do. So I gave him a Bible and marked it there, and John and also in Romans. And I said, Akasha, I said, you read these two books right here. You know what I did there? Preaching the gospel. That's all I was doing. I gave him a Bible. I gave him a resource. I gave him something so that, and you can do the exact same thing. You can preach the gospel. Don't be ashamed of telling people at work or at school, or don't be ashamed of telling your family member about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is a statement within the parable of the ten virgins that says this: "And the door was shut. And the door was shut." And that's, that little phrase has oftentimes stuck out, stuck out to me to let me know that opportunities in life to tell people about Jesus Christ are, 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 are oftentimes short and brief, and you only have a very small time to do it. A narrow window. But when that window, there comes a time when that window is closed, and the door is shut. And you probably or maybe will never see that person ever again. But may I give you some bright news? I may I give you some bright news that though we probably let opportunities pass by of us, I have, we all have. There is a man in the scriptures by the name of Mark. He wrote the book of Mark. And this man, Mark, went on a missions trip. And about 
mm, a quarter of the way through the missions trip, and he got homesick. And he was a mama's boy. And he said, I want to go home. I'm tired. This food tastes horrible. There's no air conditioning. That was a joke. There's no air conditioning. There's no hot water. There's, there's no it's, There's too many bugs out here. These people speak a different language. And, and, and I just don't like being here. And, and, I, and I, I just want to go home. I want to go back to normalcy. I want to go back to my comfort zone. And what did he do? He did exactly that. They put him on the next ship and sailed him off. And when Paul and Barnabas got back in Acts chapter number three, in Acts, I think it is, I can't remember the, the, the chapter. They got back, and Barnabas had a lot of grace. And Barnabas said, you know, old Mark here, he left us on our first journey, he said, but I think he's ready. And Paul said, nope, he left us one time, he'll leave us again. And there was a contention and strife was so sharp between Barnabas and Paul that they had to separate with one another, and Barnabas took Mark, and Paul took Silas. I don't know who was right in the situation. I don't think, I don't know that either one of them was right. But the point being is this, is that when Barnabas gave Mark a second chance, Mark's life began to change. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, at the end of Paul's life, he says this, take Mark and bring him with me, for he is profitable to meet with ministry. You know, that's encouraging. How many opportunities, how many doors have shut of the gospel for me? How many times have I not told somebody that, uh, about Jesus Christ and I should have? But yet God in His great grace is saying, here's another opportunity. Here's another chance. Here's a chance to redeem yourself and to, and to make it up and to tell somebody about the Lord. Are we going to let a job or our position or fame or our money stand in the way of telling somebody about Jesus Christ? Are we going to let uh, the worry of getting fired or the worry of losing a family member just because we don't want to tell them the gospel? Aren't you glad that God gives us a new day and new opportunities and new chances to witness? Some of you are going to go out to eat this afternoon. No, you don't. You're going to stay here? <laughs> was really going good, I think. <laughs> Some of you are going to go out to eat this week. Alright? And you're going to go out this week and you're going to meet a cash register. Somebody at, the cash, somebody at the cash register. You're going to meet a cook. You're going to meet a waiter. You're going to meet a waitress. You're going to meet somebody that needs the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you need to tell them. You need to reach out and let them know. And you'll find out it's really not that hard after all. And then we need to sin. He says it plainly in verse number 15. How should they preach except they be sent? Again, the word sent is passive. This man here, he's doing his best. He's been called to the Lord to go out to Siberia. He's trying to raise support. But you know what? He needs some people to get behind him to send him out. His church there back in Ohio at Bible Baptist Church, they have, they have sent him out. They're doing the best they can, but they need other people. I'd like it, I can't remember if it was Hudson Taylor or William Carey. I always get the two confused. But one of them said this. He said that, would you just please hold the ropes for us back here? He said, they said, won't you come home? He said, we can't go home. The work is too much. It's too laborious. It's too, there's too much to do here. He said, but could you at least just hold the ropes for us? And you know what? We need some people that will just hold the ropes for the missionaries. 
Hold the ropes for the evangelists. Hold the ropes for the preachers. Hold the ropes for the people that are going out and telling people about Jesus Christ. We must be committed towards this cause of missions. We must be committed. We must be committed to praying for missionaries. We must be. We must be committed to, 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 to giving. I mean, really committed to giving. I mean, that's part of sending, folks. Part of sending is giving up your resources, your money, to help people get the gospel out. What do you give? Now compare that to what you give to other things. What do you give to the gospel? I'm not talking in your tithes or in your offerings. I'm just talking about just right to missions. What do you give? We need to be better givers. All of us do. You say, I give a lot. Is it enough? Amen? I mean, that's really when I mean, you think about it. Is it enough? For what Christ did for us? It's never enough. Nothing is enough. I'm just saying this morning that we have been called to sin. We've been called to go. John in his Sunday school this morning made a great point. He said so many times when we do things for others or we try to follow the Lord's will or we try to do things that are found for us in the Word of God to make us feel good. They make us feel good. And no doubt, no doubt that oftentimes when we obey God, we do feel good about it. Or let's say that we help somebody, a stranded person, or we clothe somebody. Do we do that to feel good? Feel better about ourselves? John made a great point about this. He said, we ought not to do it to make others feel good or to make ourselves look better or so that we feel good. We ought to do it out of pure obedience to Christ. For as we read in verse number 16, it says, had they not all obeyed the gospel? Isaiah says what? Lord, who hath believed our report? Let me ask you a question. If you gave and you went and you told and nobody believed, would you still keep doing it? Would you still keep doing it? What if instead of seeing people saved, that in verse number 21, it says, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. What if instead of people getting saved, nobody got saved? What if instead of people getting saved, their ears were made dumb, or their ears couldn't hear, and they were blinded? Would you still tell? Isaiah says, Hear my Lord. Send me. You see, the gospel is not up for you and for me to make somebody get saved. In fact, it's a misspoken word if you say, if somebody says, Matthew, Pastor Matthew, save me. Or we're going to go out and save some souls today. I understand those kind of things. I understand those kind of phrases. But understand this, my friend. You and I say nobody. God 
saves. God saves. That's it. That's it. So can I challenge you this morning to get your suitcases and start unpacking the gospel? See that the gospel is for whosoever. See the what of the gospel is the gospel. See that how is the gospel going to get out there? It's by us telling and preaching the gospel and sending others so that they may hear. The gospel is the tool that God uses to save all souls. Bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to have a moment of invitation. Maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus is Savior. Maybe the Word of God struck a chord with you whenever we were reading that verses, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is there anybody here this morning that would just admit right now by an uplifted hand, Pastor, I want to call upon the Lord to be saved today. I'm not saved. I never have been. But today, I believe. Anybody that's up looking at Pastor, pray for me. I want to call upon the Lord today. Save me from my sin. Believer, you've trusted in the Lord to save you from your sin. How are you telling somebody? Are you being a good testimony? Are you sending? May God deal with you during this invitation time as Ms. Renee comes to play our invitation. And if God's spoken to you, if God's spoken to you, why don't you deal with the Lord this morning and come and speak with Him up here at this altar? And ask God to help you. Ask God to show you somebody this week. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's the guy you work for. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your employee. Employee. Maybe it's your friend. Whoever it might be, may God show us all people to witness to. Father, we're thankful for this day. Pray that this time of invitation time, may God you just speak to hearts and use it. In Christ's name. May God spoken to you, my friend, come down to this altar and ask God to help this.
put on your heart to give something to this family to help them out along the way. Maybe it's obey the word of God. It says in Second John, bring them forward after a godly sort. And so uh, maybe just uh, bless them today. Um,